Friends have made a trade, so I am recording a podcast. I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. I'm the host of Wizards After Dark, and I'm doing this thing on Friday mid-morning right now. Uh, Hopefully getting this up really quickly. After uh, a day ago, the Wizards made a trade with the Lakers and with the Pelicans, uh, leaping in as an extra team in the Anthony Davis deal, uh, which is technically a three-team deal, even though... The Hawks are, you know, tangled in there as well. Uh, and uh, as a way for the Lakers, who have been trying to open up extra cap space this whole time and had agreed to terms with the Pelicans on an Anthony Davis deal but had not actually finalized anything since the trade won't go through for another still week or so, July 6th, They've been trying to get out some extra money in the trade. Turns out the team that's going to be taking those players is the Wizards. So the Wizards received Mo Wagner, who they really liked in the 2018 draft when he was picked 25th overall, uh, which we will talk about during this podcast. They get Isaac Bonga, they get Jamario Jones, and they get a 2022 second round pick, which is unprotected. That's also the high school draft. In all likelihood, high schoolers are going to be able to enter the draft that year, which means you're going to be doubling up on actual talent because you're going to have a high school graduating class and you're going to have the top players from the high school class from the year before because they will have just played a year in college. So that's a great year to have a second round pick. The Wizards obviously don't own their own 20, uh, second round pick until 2024, but they've acquired two in the last weeks under Tommy Shepard. On the line, breathing and making noises is Ben Standick, who is just basically just kind of, kind of, kind of just my guy to have on now. Am I breathing and making noises to the point that that was loud enough to call out? Wow, that's not good. There was a little breathing. <laughs> I mean, Look, it's fine. The re- a little breathing. He- he- here's well, no, but the reality is part of my um. I don't know. We're going to discuss the Wizards offseason plan. Part of mine is I got to like actually get into the gym for the first times in uh, Yusef Sanan's lifetime. So, uh, <laughs> so I uh, yeah, that, that's accounts for the breathing. Apologies. Very niche joke that works only on this podcast. <laughs> Very any, much so. Any other target demographic has no – even the Sanan family is like, I don't get it. But the target demo of this podcast understands that joke. That's what makes it special. Absolutely. Uh, let's let's talk this trade. This is not going to be one of our normal ones. If, if you missed it, Ben and I did – a free agency preview podcast earlier this week where we spoke. It's like an hour and 35 minutes. I think it's the longest episode of Wizards After Dark ever. By the way, that was episode 100 of Wizards After Dark, so congrats on that to me. Uh, I think it's the longest episode that we that, that I've ever recorded, and it's just a full-on Wizards free agency preview where we talk about the Wizards potentially signing their own guys, uh, chances of bringing back Sadoransky, which are, I think are better than 50%, Thomas Bryant, same thing, and Bobby Portis, and Ariza, and Jeff Green, and Jabari Parker, and everybody else. Uh, and you talk about guys they could go after, people who could fit into the trade exception, just a, a whole July preview. You can go back, you can listen to that before free agency starts at 6 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, right here, we're just going to be talking about the trade and, and the implications of the trade. The second trade, Tommy Shepard has now made in the last week. So the Wizards, Ben, from 2014 until eight days ago, the Wizards, over that span of about five years, the Wizards had traded away six second-round picks 
and they had acquired after a trade only one second round pick. In the last week alone, they have acquired two second round picks. It, it does appear like they are moving on with a different philosophy. I know there was a lot of um, discussion, and, and you know what? It's fair to wonder if you're a fan and you don't know anything about Tommy Shepard, because how could you? Who knows anything about the number two in an organization if you're just watching from the outside? It's fair to wonder, is Tommy Shepard just going to be an extension of Ernie Grunfeld's philosophies? And so far, at least with these two moves, it seems like there are some philosophical edits. Yeah, I mean, there's an, it's fair to say that there's a new sheriff in town, or at least that it, it, it appears it appears that way. I mean, right off the bat, people around the league, were, you know, when they right after they uh, let uh, Grunfeld go, you know, around the league were suggesting, hey, don't nobody should view Tommy as Ernie 2.0. And, uh, you know, you want to believe it to some degree. Just, okay, you know, you're telling me this person who knows things. And now, you know, you're starting to see this isn't the first aspect where we're starting to see a difference. Um, there's been several other instances as well. But this is from a from sort of a team-building perspective. This is definitely the most obvious one. And, Fred, I actually think this is a very – this is the type of move that's a very interesting one for the Wizards fan base when it comes – to who do you listen to, or who do you read, or who do you whose podcast do you listen to, or who do you follow on Twitter, or whose opinion do you value? Because there will be people, and I've seen it already. I'm not specifying anyone in particular because there's too many people. But like you see it on Twitter, people in my timeline, whatever, who will who who will suggest that this move was nothing, that the Wizards helped the Lakers. Who who did they get? They didn't get, you know, if they didn't get a max contract player, then who gives a crap? And if you and if you listen to those types of people, if you if, if that's what you think makes sense, well, okay, that's cool. I couldn't agree. I couldn't disagree more. However, this is exactly the type of move that the Wizards should be making. I have no idea if Mo Wagner or Isaac Bonga, Camario Jones, the second round pick in twenty twenty two, if any of them will pan out. I don't know if Admiral Schofield will work out. None of us could say for certainty. And if you can, please show, please show the rest of us your work how you came to the conclusions. Um, but it's, to me, borderline impossible to question the moves. In this case, the Wizards took – they gave up nothing. They gave up some cash to acquire three young players that they didn't have before. Um, <clears throat> I'm writing something for for The Athletic on the aforementioned Yusuf Sanan, and my basic point is that a week ago, he was the only guy they had in the entire pipeline, if you want to sort of qualify uh, view it as like a minor league system. If you want to count Troy Brown, okay, fine, but he's already playing in the NBA. Um, Sanan's the only guy who, like, we don't really know anything about, and and you're like, oh, that's it. Now, there's a bunch of other dudes, and now they have more darts to throw at the board. It is as screwed as the Wizards are to some degree right now because of their, because of John Wall, their cap situation, the overall roster, all that stuff, to have more shots at hitting something. Maybe it turns into a starter, a role player, whatever. That is a very good thing. So, again, I'm not saying that they acquired all-stars and therefore everybody should, should start the parade. But from a concept standpoint, this is the type of thing they should be doing. And this is the type of thing that when you're listening to people discuss this, you should begin to question whether they know what they're talking about if they don't see this logic. So when people talk about... <laughs> when people talk about... That was my rant, sorry. <laughs> when people talk about the process with Sam Hinkie in Philadelphia and 
there are legitimate criticisms of the process, no question. The way it was handled, the execution, even the philosophy. But when people try to poke holes in it by saying things like, oh, well, look at the guys they missed. Look at the first, the, the early guys, the, the Jaleel Okafors. Look at all the second-round picks that they spent resources in getting and didn't work out. Look at all the random guys who they signed off the waiver wire and the scrap heap, and they stunk. Look at all those people. They really have very few people remaining from the process on their roster. And people point that out. To me, that is a failure that demonstrates a failure to understand what the process was. The process was not, if you stink, you get good players. It was, batting average doesn't matter. Only hits do. So we're going to get five second round picks. Because if we only have a 12% chance at getting a good player out of that second round pick, guess what? We're going to get enough second round picks so that we have a greater chance than you do with only your one or your no second round picks. And we are going to have higher up lottery odds, so we have a better chance. And we're going to have more high up lottery picks than other teams so that we have more chances. And they ended up getting Joel Embiid. And they ended up getting Ben Simmons. And they ended up getting the pieces like Robert Covington, for example, and Dario Saric to trade for Jimmy Butler. And other draft picks and pieces that they could trade for Tobias Harris. I mean, this is what the process was. It was being able to maximize their hits. Now, this is not the process. The reason I bring it up is because when you have a philosophy where you are saying, all right, we are going to bring in Mo Wagner and see what we like. The Wizards worked him out twice before the draft a couple of years ago. There are people inside that organization who like him a lot and have liked him a lot for a while and think they could have something in him. And you know what? You're getting him essentially for for basketball free so why the heck not uh you bring in bonga you bring in jamario jones who i'm not sure if he's going to stay on the roster or not he's only got a two hundred thousand dollar guarantee but he's an excellent rebounder and lord knows the wizards could use rebounding so i'm not going to say it's a zero percent chance that he stays you bring in admiral schofield in the second round you bring in Tarek phillip at the end of the year you give jordan mccray a non-guarantee when he's barely really gotten an opportunity to play major minutes or significant minutes in the NBA, you are creating a pool where if you miss on the vast majority of those guys, it's okay. The point is that the batting average doesn't matter. Only the hits do, and Tommy Shepard is trying to create as manufacture as many at-bats for himself as he possibly can with these types of players. Yeah, no, I mean, see, this is why you should be reading Fred and listening to Fred, and I'm not just saying that because... He's now my teammate. Honestly, I wouldn't even have come on this podcast in the first place if he didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, but he does, and that's the point. Like, yes, I mean, the Wizards, are, they have more shots. I mean, throughout last season, I kept arguing with people that maybe other than Charlotte, the Wizards had the least amount of hope in the entire league, especially after John Wall's um, torn, torn Achilles because of the whole factor. They had, other than Bradley Beal and arguably Troy Brown, there, was no, there were no building blocks healthy building blocks on the roster, their cap space effectively, as we as we discussed in the uh, aforementioned free agent podcast, effectively doesn't really exist. Uh, you know, Wall's going to miss time, all that stuff. The, the hope was not there. I'm not saying all of a sudden, again, that the Wizards now have uh, Durant, Harden, and Westbrook with these guys, and therefore their hope is, uh, is, is exponential. It just means that there is, okay, 
okay, well, now there's a few things happening. We, you know, we haven't even really mentioned, you know, having Hachimura. I mean, the Wizards have drafted first-round picks in back-to-back years between Otto Porter in 2013 and Troy Brown last year. They had one first-round pick. So you add that to the equation as well. And now they have some pieces. Now, again, this is not the same as suggesting that they have anything that's good. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, Mo Wagner... People question why the Lakers drafted him in the first round. If you go back and look at the big board from last year, I think ESPN and The Athletic both have had him sort of in the 30s, and the Lakers took him, I want to say, 25, I think. Um, but okay, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll see where he's at. Bonga, a second-round pick last year, the youngest player in the league, minimal experience, long way to go, but an interesting prospect. I love tall point guards, Fred. I'm a sucker. That's why I was always in on Sadoransky even before he ever showed up. Um and then you mentioned Jones. Just go watch Lou Williams. You can find it on Twitter. I tweeted about it. Other people did. Lou Williams, he, he praised Jones' defense. Uh, and obviously well, he Lou praised, Williams is saying he you can defend. somebody's defense. He wasn't sure who to praise. <laughs> so, uh, well, it seemed like there was, there, was an, there was an attached video. I don't know. Yeah. It seemed like he was saying some good things about some dude from Memphis whose last he name did. was Jones. He didn't, he didn't know his name. <laughs> it was well, it was look. such a such a backhanded compliment. Who's who's that guy who I like having on my my podcast all the time? He's been on the most amount of times. Uh I uh he works at the Athletic. He used to work at NBC Sports. Um no, I don't know, but I, he does a good job. Sounds like Tar sounds like Tarek El Bashir actually. <laughs> really really the ultimate backhanded compliment to be like, yeah, that guy defended me. What was his name? What was his name? I have no idea what his name was or well, who fa- he is. In fairness, he only played like six NBA games, so you know, I I, I didn't know who Jamario Jones was until uh, the uh, the report, you know, like a week or so ago, came out about the Lakers wanting to get rid of the last remnants of their uh, their roster. Um, but in any event, I mean, I guess we probably, you know probably should discuss like these guys. I mean, I. I do you do you have any sense that any of these do any one of these three guys stand out to you the most? I, I don't know if you read Kevin Pelton's trade trade grade. He said he actually had more interest in Jamario Jones than the other two based on his I think, defense and rebounding. But I think, admittedly, with in, in all three cases, there's not a ton to work with yet. Um, I need to, I want to go watch some Bonga film. I thought that's about all I can say about him right now. I mean, Bonga is 19 years old. He he's still 19. I'm pretty certain he was the youngest player in the draft last year. Um, he is a six foot eight point guard. You talk about tall point guards. I mean that's another level. And I grew up a Clippers fan. One of the most traumatic moments of my basketball childhood was watching Sean Livingston get hurt when I thought he was going to be the organization's savior, and maybe he was. He was awesome. Just an insane talent. Uh, I tall point guards are fun, and tall point guards who can still guard point guards they can be they can be real real tough. Jamario Jones, his second year at New Mexico State, which is Tommy Shepard's alma mater, right? That is correct. What, what did he call it? The Harvard of the Border or something no, like that? The Harvard of the Border, which is a great line. Uh, Jamario Jones, his second year at New Mexico State had a 25.4% total rebound rate. Which, to put in perspective how completely ridiculous that is, Andre Drummond led the NBA in rebound rate this year at 23%. 
like 25.4% is way higher than 23% in, in this metric. Like it is, is college, of course, uh, but Jamario Jones is six foot five. And like, it's also this guy is rebounding a, is he's a ridiculous guy. rebounder. I mean, you ask anybody, he is he is a totally. I was talking to a scout about him. And he was like, oh, he'll he'll destroy as a rebounder if he ever gets playing time. I think he defends hard, and uh, I don't know if the offense will ever be there. I don't know if he'll end up on the roster. But I find him intriguing considering how much the Wizards were trying to find rebounding in different spots last year. I just find him interesting in that sense, you know. But the big get, I mean, there's no way to put Number one, the big get is the 2022 unprotected second-round pick. And the other big get is Mo Wagner, who did not look great during his first year, but is one year removed from being a first-round pick who the Wizards had slotted on their draft board only like two or three spots behind Troy Brown. Excuse me. Only two or three spots behind Troy Brown. Uh, You know, maybe things are a little bit different. And and I love this narrative. I put it in my story yesterday. By the way, go on The Athletic, and you can read over the last two days. Thursday morning, we had a story up there about um, their own free agents and guys who they're going to prioritize with some information, reporting, analysis, all that, and how the free agency process is going to go for the guys who are their own free agents. Yesterday after the trade, I wrote a piece on kind of the philosophical changes that we're seeing in these two moves that Tommy Shepard has made, the Mo Wagner trade and the Admiral Schofield-Jonathan Simmons trade. Uh, and uh, and this morning, I've got something on guys who could fit into the mid-level exception and the one remaining large trade exception they have, which is an $8.6 million trade exception created when they traded Markeith Morris. The big get is Mo Wagner. Um, the Wizards liked him, and I love this narrative that had the Wizards just had slightly different philosophies on draft night last year and they had Mo Wagner ahead of Troy Brown, which wasn't the case, obviously. They took Troy, took Troy Brown, but was almost the case. Had Mo Wagner not then fallen past the Wizards, gone all the way 10 slots to the Lakers, all this would be different. Because when the Lakers drafted Wagner, they had to create a roster spot. And it made the most sense for them to waive a second-round center who they picked the year before because they just drafted a center in the first round in Thomas Bryant. And the Wizards, in the 2017 draft, when Thomas Bryant was taken in the second round, considered Bryant on their draft board to be, I don't know the exact number, I don't remember it, but it was something late first round, and I wrote that in my story. And they were like, let's get him. This dude was just waived. It's been one year. We thought he was a late first rounder. Let's see what we got. You guys know the rest of that story. Now Thomas Bryan is uh, potentially getting, you know, there's an outside chance he's going to be making eight figures next year. Uh, this is what you do. If you can take a risk on somebody who you liked enough to consider in the middle of the first round a year ago, even if you see that person down, if you're in a position where you're coming off a 50-loss season, if you're in a position where you don't expect to be that much better this year, you take your risks. And you know what? It's not. A, I shouldn't even say risk. Not a risk. You just you just take your swings at guys like this because with a swing like this, you're not you're not trying to hit a 500-foot home run. If you just put the ball in play and bloop it into the outfield and get on base, like that's 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 pretty good. If Mo Wagner turns into a rotation player when all the Wizards gave up in this trade is $1.1 million in cash, which is the minimum amount they could give in this three-team deal, like, 
that is an absolutely phenomenal trade on their part, on top of the fact that they now have a 2022 unprotected second-round pick coming their way. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, just, just let, let me just stamp what he just said, and then uh, we don't have to, I don't have to repeat it to show that I agree, and then that way this podcast doesn't become 90 minutes again. Um, by the way, do, what, here's a different question I have for you. So when we talked the other day about free agency, and I sort of made the point that you pushed back on somewhat, and I think we were fair to do so in some spots, was sort of the idea of, okay, so the Wizards, after after a couple other things, have maybe a little, you know, some more pieces on the roster than maybe we're all sort of imagining, that you could sort of hypothetically look at what they have from 6 to four, six to 14 or 6 to 15 and think, hey, they, they have um, a, a team. And, and like I said, you were right to sort of say, well, let's with you know, slow the roll on Tariq Phillip and hypothetically Jordan McRae, um, you know, isn't, his, his contract isn't fully guaranteed, so we'll see. And, and that's fair. But, like, they still, you know, th- there started to be some pieces. Well, now they added these three guys. And even if you're right that, you know, or you're not saying he's gone, but even if Jamaria Jones around, you still just added two guys without giving anybody else up. And it does become interesting. Again, they have more moves that they can make. They have some trade exceptions. And, um, you know, you never know what else is just simply going to be out there from a trade perspective. But, like, you can start to see the shape of that in third unit. And, you know, to sort of bring it back to the what, what, what do the Wizards actually have for next year. Like, this trade, while we're all talking about hope and we're both talking about it positively, I mean, this trade, if the Wizards are, you know, in terms of winning next year, I don't think this trade necessarily did anything to help that cause it's one of these guys has a breakout performance. Their, their, their bench, as it were, is a lot of young guys, which we both just said is a really good thing, but it's also a lot of uncertainty. And they still have, other than Bradley Beal, they don't have another guy in the starting lineup who, um, you know, you could say definitively will be there and be, and be effective for them. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what else they do in pre-agency or as Fred wrote about with some, some, uh, some trade exceptions um, that they could maybe maneuver with. And clearly, you know, Tommy Shepard has shown a willingness to use whatever is at his disposal to to get a deal done, and that's great. And so we'll see what they do. Um, but you know, to some degree, the the roster is taking even more shape than it was. I was suggesting the other day, again with the caveat that long way to go. We haven't even started free agency yet, and uh, you never know what'll happen. That Jonathan Simmons is uh, his contract is another thing that's floating out there for the Wizards to play with. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But, uh, you know, we maybe already have a, have a decent sense as to who will actually uh, be here next year. Yes. Also, one more observation before we go. Specifically with, with Jamaria Jones, uh, maybe with Bonga. So one of the Wizards' objectives over Tommy Shepard, obviously NBA rules prevent you from doing this all the way. But they want to make the go-go as close to a triple-A affiliate as they possibly can within the realm of what you know you can do in the NBA. And look, let's say they cut Jamario Jones because he's only $200,000 guaranteed for next year and they cut him. Don't be surprised if he ends up on the go-go. Don't be surprised they hold on to Bonga and Bonga just spends the whole year developing with the go-go. He's 19 years old. He's still unbelievably raw. He's talented, but that talent has not manifested into anything, at least as of last year. Uh, Don't be surprised if he spends the whole year with the Go-Go. Don't be surprised if you see some of these other guys just spending time with the Go-Go. They don't want 
random guys with the go-go, and I think they're they're happy with what they did last year, being it having it be their first team or their first year with a G League team. But I think really what they want to do is they want to fill it with guys who all kind of have a chance to play for the Wizards. Obviously, it's not like a 50% chance playing for the Wizards. You're in the G League. But who, for whatever reason, have some reason to believe that there is a greater than 0% chance that they could end up on the Wizards either that year or in future years. Now, there were some NBA caliber players on the go-go last year. Obviously, Jordan McRae was a two-way guy there, and Devin Robinson was a two-way guy there. Chris Chioza signed an NBA contract with the with the Rockets, and he was their starting point guard for most of the year. But the, the, the Wizards would kind of like that to be a full roster, and I think that's part of why they're acquiring these sorts of guys. Like, don't be surprised if Jones ends up being a go-go guy next year. I think that's a plausibility. Now, if he can get a better contract elsewhere, obviously that's what he's going to do. Uh, but, like, these sorts of things are are possible and and are not just possible but are within this philosophy that Tommy Shepard is trying to shall we say shepherd in to the next year of the Wizards uh, and and that's part of why I think a trade like this kind of makes sense it's just like there's no risk and uh and the reward is small none of these guys is going to be a star chances are whoever you draft in the second round of 2022 is not going to be a star a basketball team needs decent players too. And guess what? You're not going to sign a star if you don't have good players. Just ask. Maybe it changes this year for them, but just ask the Knicks. Just ask a number of the Lakers for the last six years. If you don't have good players and you don't have, you don't give a star an opportunity to say, yeah, I can win there. There's no chance he's going to you there now. Uh, you need good players. And the Wizards don't have many resources to get them. So they're trying to get clever. And there's no risk in this. Makes perfect sense to me. To me, this is a no a no-brainer deal. Also, I did see some people pushing on Twitter, like the and maybe this is just the Russian bots of basketball Twitter, but I did see some people pushing on Twitter. Why would you help the Lakers? What? Who cares? There is. Oh, those weren't Russian bots. I saw human beings <laughs> like do this. But who, say this. who cares? That's, that was sort of my point of the earlier rant. Yeah. Who, who the Wizards. cares? Who cares? Why, why? Why does? I don't understand why that matters. Like, I genuinely don't understand why you can't help out the Lakers and give them some more cap space. Like, why should that factor in? Oh well, I guess we're gonna cut off our nose to spite our faces. That's so ridiculous. Also, why should the Lizards not like the Lakers? What if the Lakers ever get into the Wizards? The whole thing is so unbelievably ridiculous. I can't even begin to explain. By the way, Lakers last year, Lakers last year gave the Wizards effectively Thomas Bryant, and they also gave them Karan Butler for Kwame Brown. So you know, well, the Wizards should be cool with the Lakers. Um, (laughs) uh, But yeah, man, uh, I. uh, I had a point, and it went right out of my head because I am a dope. But yeah, I, I agree with with your, your your logic, your outrage. Oh, you know there is. I did think there is one risk though to this trade that I have come up with, um, and that is that I will spend an extraordinary amount of time coming up with a Larry and Curly that go with Mo. That I may I may I may or may not have spent 15 minutes last night trying to think about this. I mean, I don't want to just go with Larry Bird and Curly Neal. That's too easy. But no, no, no. When they when they win a title, when they win a title, he could be holding up the Larry, and that's what it is. 
When Mo uh-huh. gets his ring, he's holding up the Larry. And I guess if you're really anti this trade, you could just call these new guys the Three Stooges, I guess. <laughs> uh, anything else you got coming out this week other than the um, Saddam piece? Uh, at the moment, I, I do not in the realm of the Wizards, but obviously it's going to be fun for agencies happening any minute. I believe I saw you're doing a Q&A Sunday. Oh, yeah. With, Thank you uh, for plugging that. That's guy. true. Yeah, you and some some guy named David Aldridge. I don't know who he is. Um, so that'll be interesting. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, look, uh, the, 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 I've heard Bradley Beal in some interviews sort of express the idea of, Man, it kind of is frustrating when you see all this talk about free agency and things happening and the Wizards are not involved. And I totally get that from his perspective, and what just happened does not change that. But from the perspective of somebody that covers the team that has, you know, for you know, I've been at the draft where they only had a second-round pick and then sold it. <laughs> and you're going, come on. Do I have nothing to think about or talk about? That the Wizards are doing some things and, are, and, and have the position to do some more things of interest is, is, is good, uh, good for them, good for me. Hopefully, good for the for the listeners. So we have things to talk about, and so I'm excited to see what happens to him. And of course, the whole league, Kawhi, Kyrie, all that stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, it is. Uh, and there is construction starting, as you can hear that drilling in my background right now. Perfect timing. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Standing. Give us five stars. Leave us a nice review. I'm getting the hell out of here. I'll be back next week with like a midweek or early week free agency review, depending on what the Wizards do. If they make signings early in free agency, then uh, I'll be back. I'll be back early next week with another podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you guys soon.